Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Spirit of life and love, God of many names, our country has lived with the sin of slavery and its legacy for 400 years. Always there have been those of all races who have fought back, but it has taken its physical, moral, and spiritual toll on all of us for centuries. In these last few weeks, we have focused on two moral and spiritual giants that in a very short period moved our country forward, helped us move mountains. In the 50 years since their deaths, we have made some progress, but at times it feels we have lost our way, that we have been recovering from the devastations wrought following the assassinations of 1968, including Dr. King. We are just now reawakening our country's conscience and are ready to take up the legacy of Malcolm X and Dr. King and move it forward. May our eyes, minds, and hearts, our voices, and our hands be ready to take up the work that they in their time were called to do. Now the time is ours. May we find the vision, the spirit, and the strength to build upon their legacy. May we be willing to answer the prophetic call, to nurture one another's spirits, and to help heal our world. Let us hold this moment in silence. So may it be, and amen. Our first reading is from the autobiography of Malcolm X. And Malcolm wrote, I am not a racist. In the past, I permitted myself to be used to make sweeping indictments of all white people. The entire white race and these generalizations have caused injuries to some whites who perhaps did not deserve to be hurt. Because of the spiritual enlightenment which I was blessed to receive as a result of my recent pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca, I, am no longer, I no longer subscribe to sweeping indictments of any one race. I am now striving to live a life of a true Muslim. I re must repeat that I am not a racist, nor do I subscribe to the tenets of racism. I can state in all sincerity that I wish nothing but freedom, justice, and equality, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people. Our second reading is from Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermon, Where Do, I, Where Do We Go From Here? There is, there is nothing essentially wrong with power. The problem is that in America, power is unequally distributed. This has led Negro Americans in the past to seek their goals through love and moral suasion devoid of power, and white Americans to seek their goals through power devoid of love and conscience. It is precisely this collision of immoral power with powerless morality which constitutes the major crisis of our times. Our final reading is from the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew prophet Micah, who claimed, He has told you, O man, what is good, 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? It's me, Malcolm X. We met only that one time briefly in the Capitol when the Senate was debating the Civil Rights Bill. Great work on that, by the way. It wasn't just me. And of course I remember you. How could I forget? It's hard to forget a man who calls you Reverend Dr. Chicken Wing. <laughs> Dr. King. I mean, Martin. Yes, you're right. When we were both alive, I said some things that probably seemed harsh. In retrospect, maybe I could have said things differently. But then, I wouldn't be me. Truthfully, I meant what I said, when I said it. I believe that it was important for blacks to protect ourselves against the often violent racism waged against us, and to do so by any means necessary. I never took your stance on my nonviolent approach to ending segregation and racism in America personally. I don't want to seem or sound self-righteous, or that I think that I have the only truth, the only way. Maybe you do have some of the answer. I've often wished that you would talk less of violence, because violence is not going to solve our problem. What did you mean when you meant that you said what you said when you said it? I'm glad you asked that. Toward the end of my life, I came to have a lot of respect for you, and even your nonviolent ways. I came to believe that you really believed in what you were doing. You believed in nonviolence. It wasn't just a show. I developed respect for you. You have to give respect to someone who puts their life on the line, and that's what you did. Do you mean to tell me that you would have joined my civil rights cause? I may have been willing to join the civil rights cause. I don't know if I would subscribe to nonviolence, but I do know that anger can blind human vision. While we do not always see eye to eye on methods to solve the race problem, I always had a deep affection for you. You had the great ability to put your finger on the existence and root of the problem. No one can honestly doubt that you had a great concern for the problems that we face as a race, and you were an eloquent, an eloquent spokesperson for your point of view. I have to admit, when I listened to you speak, even I got angry. <laughs> what do you think made you change your mind about me? One thing, travel. It always broadens one's scope. So true. Where did you go? I went to Mecca. I went primarily to get a better understanding of Islam. As you know, I belong to the Nation of Islam, a religious movement founded in Detroit, Michigan in 1930. The Nation of Islam's goals were to, prove, were to improve the spiritual, mental, social, and economic condition of African Americans in the United States and all of humanity. But I started to doubt this faith when I started to doubt its leader, Elijah Muhammad. I learned that he was not following the tenets that he preached. He talked the talk, but he didn't walk the walk. Based on that doubt, I went in search of an understanding of the religion of Islam. I made a hajj, or pilgrimage, to Mecca. One of the things that Elijah Muhammad always taught us was that Islam was a religion in which no whites could participate. To prove his point, he told us that Mecca was a city that was forbidden to non-Muslims, and since a white person couldn't be Muslim in his teaching, he said that no white could enter Mecca. But when I went to Mecca, everyone was there. There were tens of thousands of pilgrims from all over the world. They were all colors, from blue-eyed blondes to black-skinned Africans, but we were all participating in the same ritual, displaying a spirit of unity and brotherhood that my experiences in America had led me to believe never could exist between the white and the non-white. So when I saw this with my own eyes, it was at that point that I believed in Islam as a religion of brotherhood and sisterhood. 
So you no longer think of white people as blue-eyed devils? No. You may be shocked by these words coming from me, but on this pilgrimage, what I saw and experience forced me to rearrange much of my thought patterns previously held. That's an amazing story. So we're both men of faith. That's right. And I think it's fair to say that we both started out fighting for civil rights and ended up fighting for human rights. I started the Organization of Afro-American Unity to fight for the human rights of African-Americans and promote cooperation among Africans and people of African descent in the Americas. And I started a war on poverty. Maybe your philosophy of black pride wore off in me. As I moved my civil rights struggle north, I started wearing a black is beautiful button. A journalist even told me when I began speaking out against the war in Vietnam and asking for fair wages for all Americans that I sounded like a nonviolent Malcolm X. <laughs> there are other things we have in common too. We both have streets named after us. Songs, plays, and movies created in our honor. I was thinking more of humble, of more humble things, though. We both changed our names. Not too hard to figure out that X was not my real last name. I was born Malcolm Little. After my pilgrimage, where I became Sunni Muslim, I became El Haji Al Shabazz. But what about you? You're not really King. I'm not really Martin. My parents named me Michael, but I changed it. We both fought to change America. We both helped change each other as well. There's something else we have in common. Our fathers were both preachers. And we both died at the age of 39. I wonder what would have happened if we'd have met sooner. Not just for a minute like in the picture, but like this. I think that at some point, we would have come closer together and would have been a very strong force. A militant force. Or a militantly nonviolent force. Wow, we have been blessed by the visitation of Martin and Malcolm in the bodies of Isaiah Brower and Lawrence Ramsey, a play written by Dion Curdy using the words of Martin and Malcolm. So I hope that uh, you have been touched this month by all of the teachings that we have um, been exploring. And right now, I want you to talk in your at your tables about what, what you might have learned um, from Martin and Malcolm. And you're going to um, capture some of what your thoughts are and you're gonna write them down and possibly um, use words in poems, possibly a haiku, statements, possibly you'll make some commitments as a result of what you have learned this month. Commitments to carry on this legacy. It's our job now to carry their work forward. So we have some boxes for you and you'll write some things on the paper that's at the table. You'll put your thoughts and your poems and your commitments inside the box and then you'll be decorating the outside of the box. That decoration will come in the form of 
a visual expression in symbols and drawings about what those commitments might be going forward. So you'll have about till about five of to, uh, to, to do that project at your table. Make sure everyone gets a chance to participate. We have come to the end of our time for the boxes. I wonder if you could turn them over and write on the back who contributed to this box. And we are going to ask, uh, ask you to bring them forward and to place them on uh, the chancel tables. When you are, when you are done uh, writing the names on the back, and Marcus is going to provide us with some commitment music. Um, but before we do that, I want to thank Veronique Ramsey for this very amazing idea of our dream boxes. And uh, thank all of you for contributing to them. So, um, what's going to happen with the boxes is that we're going to collect them and we're going to take the dreams and the statements and we're going to type them up so that the whole congregation can see um, what we are thinking and committing to. So, uh, so we hope to have those in visual form for you next week. Um, and, uh, and if you want your boxes, uh, that's why we put the names on it, so you can collect the boxes at the end of, during coffee hour next, uh, next Sunday. Teacher to both Martin and Malcolm was Mahatma Gandhi, who reminds us still that power is of two kinds. One is obtained by the fear of punishment and the other by acts of love. Power based on love is a thousand times more effective and permanent than one derived from fear of punishment. Let us seek to carry forward through the means of love. May the prayers of our hearts and the songs of our lips shared in this holy hour of worship be with us now and in all the days to come. As we extinguish our chalice, our worship is ended and our service begins. So may it be.